0: Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to ariselife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. In this season, I've been really thinking about something. How do we get to the life that God has for us? Anybody want the life that God has for us? And, um, but many of us, we get stuck somewhere along the way and, I feel like I might be onto to something. So let me, let me just map something out for you. So we use this term, the wilderness, and it really starts for us with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. You guys remember the story? Let's go back to Sunday school, shall we? All right, so we got a map. If we can show that first map. You've got, you've got the children of Israel. We've got the children of Israel. Oh, there we go. We got the children of Israel in Egypt. They are in Egypt. Uh, They came into the land of promise, if you guys remember, with Joseph, right? Joseph went to the top of the food chain. He was an incredibly powerful. He he got a download from God uh, through Pharaoh's dream of how to navigate a really hard season, and all the world was blessed as a result. So there was a reason for them to be in Egypt. But anybody overstayed their welcome in Egypt? Like it was good for a season and it's no longer good. Now it's not just not good. It's like really not good. It's not only not good, you're enslaved in the very place that used to be a blessing, right? So here they are. Here they are in, 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 uh, in, in Egypt and they're in that green area, super green. And now if you're in that green area, is there anywhere else on the map you want to be? <laughs> I mean, you know, you're like, hmm. No, no, no. And oftentimes, we don't leave Egypt for that very reason. Truth? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, uh, no, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. nothing. And it's terrifying. Anybody been in a relationship? And you're like, I really shouldn't be in this relationship anymore. <laughs> I'm going to be by myself for two minutes. Nope, I'll be in a relationship. Thank you, Jesus. And so in the place, sorry, was that too personal? Anyway, um, they're in the, in, the, in the land of Egypt, they're in the middle of it, and it starts to get worse and worse until this critical moment. If you've got Bibles, you can break them out. The book of Exodus chapter two. It says this, during that long period, the king of e- Egypt died who they had a special relationship with. And the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because their slaver, of their slavery went up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with God, Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. <laughs> Understatement of the century. Do we know that God is love? It wasn't like, oh, oh, right, we have a covenant, my bad, my bad, I'm so sorry, we totally missed it there. But the reality was, it said they groaned, and then he responded. Anybody, you've been making it for on your own for a long time, and you're just like, it's working, it's working, the boat's sinking, but I can bail pretty fast, right? And it, there comes a point when you realize it ain't working anymore, Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where you just realize, no matter how fast you bail, you do the math, the, the boat is going to sink, right? In that moment, it could be financially, it could be whatever, and in that moment, seems like a really good idea, who's my people, that that's the moment when you tag God in. Up to that point, you're good, but the minute it, you realize, do the math, oh, okay, God, apparently, it's, <laughs> it's I, I guess we better pray. I think it's come to that. <laughs> Right? You know, worst case scenario, got to tag God in. And God, but here's the deal, the minute they cry, God is responding. God is not a petty God who's like, where were you for the last 400 years? Right? God's not petty. He's compassionate, and he runs to, their, runs to them. He, he remembers their covenant because they remembered he's for them, but they've been living it up in Egypt, and they've forgotten that they have a promised land. And so he begins to send. He, immediately, as soon as they start responding to it, he sends a deliverer. But do you want to know something? Anybody found that it oftentimes gets worse before it gets better? Because the reality is, they don't want out of the land of Egypt, do they? They want the pain to stop. See, they don't want into the land of promise, they want the pain to stop. Those are two very different things. You want to stop the pain? I've got 43 ways to stop the pain. Some of them have very bad side effects. If your goal is to stop, just to stop the pain, you won't have the courage to go through what you need to go through to come into the land of promise. You have to. And so God begins, he goes, I hear your cry, I'm coming to you. And he begins a campaign to encourage them to go for it. What does he do? He starts in, you guys remember the plagues in Egypt? We we talked on this about two and a half years ago. You can look it up. Prophetic process with Moses, um, but there's a fascinating thing. If you look at the plagues, they're actually a cascading ecological disaster. It's, it's really fascinating, but, and they came off of a lot of what happened because Egypt wasn't just oppressing the Israelites, they were oppressing the entire known world for about 20 years at that point. It was horrific, horrific what was happening, and in the middle of it, they weren't just groaning, God's coming, and, and there's this ecological, the plagues start in, right? You remember the, the, the river turned to blood, and, and all this over and over again, one thing after another, what God was particularly doing was showing that the gods of Egypt could not save. The Nile was considered one of their gods you know, they had a frog God, because who doesn't need a frog God? You know, they had all kinds of gods. They had a God for this, a God for that. And anybody here, you know, anybody here, I, I call this practical theology. When you're going through life, you start to develop a little practical theology. Kids do this all the time. Have you ever seen that? They like see something happens, and they're like, I think when I snap three times, then a breeze starts. And you're like, I don't and they're like, no, but I snapped three times and a breeze happened. Like, they come up with these things. The funny thing is, we actually do the same thing. Like, if you want to get ahead, this is what you do. And, you know, whatever it is, there's, there's something. And God goes through and categorically attacks every single one of their gods to reveal that their gods are powerless to save. I'll give you an example. Um, if you're... Anybody... Wow these, wow, these are just too too real. <laughs> we can't get too real. I'm trying to keep this legit. Um, any, anybody here, you, every single one of us has a need for human connection. Can we agree on that? Yeah. Anybody here gotten that need met in a wrong way? Yeah. Two of us? Awesome. Excellent. Okay. I, I figure that's low-hanging fruit. So the thing about it is, is early on, when you're trying to figure out life, like high school or middle school, at um, that point, you, you are trying to figure out how do you get love and acceptance, right? Anybody here come up with a theory that worked for a little bit, but really shot you in the foot on how you get love and acceptance? Yeah? If you look a certain way, right? If you're good at sports, if you're, I don't know what, if you're funny, if you're, whatever it is, just don't be you, because you won't get love and acceptance, Right, so, so the reality is that's, those are gods. Those are gods, those systems that I get love and acceptance if I perform or if I'm this or if I'm that. And you know what God wants to do is he wants to kill that God. But that God will stay God as long as the God seems to be working. And oftentimes, coming out of Egypt, you have a total, absolute collapse of someone's system. Anybody seen someone, you're like, they cannot get a break. A lot of times that's because all the gods of Egypt are crumbling. And it's revealing, hey, I didn't make you to be a slave in Egypt. I don't care how green it is. You are a slave, you are a slave, you are a slave. And the thing about Egypt is Egypt offers great job security, right? I mean, if you're a slave, you have really good job security, Right? I mean, who fires a slave, right? I mean, it's like, you're, (gasps) I don't know, man, I think the boss is gonna fire me. Oh no, he might sell you, but he's not gonna fire you. Right? The reality is you've got great job security and very little compensation. But little responsibility, right? I don't have to think, I don't, whew. And God whispers about the land of promise, the land of what he has made you for, who you're called to be. Oh, but yeah, have you seen the map? This is green. That's not. not. And there's a lot of not between here and the sort of. It's not worth the risk. Finally, all of Egypt is in free fall, and in fact, I think part of the reason they left is they were afraid of being killed by the Egyptians by that point. The Egyptians didn't like them. Anybody had that? Like you like everything collapses, and finally you're driven out of your own slavery. <laughs> like, we will not enslave you any longer. Don't even ask us to. Anybody here, you've been in a relationship you couldn't get out of until they kicked you out? And you're like, "Uh, oak? oak think? No? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to fight. All right. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. So in this place, they, get, they come out of the land of Egypt, and we talked about this. This is, this is how I understand the archaeological record. They flee out of Egypt. They come down the side of Sinai, probably picked up the Israelites who were there in the copper mines in Sinai. They head out. And they run straight into a trap. Anybody here said yes to Jesus and went straight into a trap? You're like, but Jesus, I was obedient to you. And we had a deal. I obey you. Everything works out. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. (laughs) Anybody, did you sign up for that program? Yeah, no, that wasn't Jesus selling that one. Um, And so they run into it, and they're like, ah! Out, you brought us out here to die. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? And the, here they are. They're, they're in that place. And their leader, Moses, goes, oh. And God goes, why are you complaining? Start walking. And they start walking. And the sea opens up. Again, there's an amazing land bridge right beneath the surface there and they walk across, and they come into the land, and God wipes out all their enemies. Suddenly, the wilderness does not look so bad, right? You had enemies yesterday? They're all toast today. Yes! And then about four minutes later, what do they run out of? Well, first water, and then food, right? And what is their immediate reaction Oh, Jesus, thank you, the God who destroyed the Egyptians. Thank you that you hear, uh, hear our cry. We are confident in you to fulfill. Is that their response? Is that yours and my responses? Ah, why do you hate me? <laughs> Some people are like, yes, you know my voice. Um, anyway, so they come into this later and they immediately... What does God do? He gives them water. Why? Because, see, if Egypt, think about it, Egypt is almost like you're in utero. The wilderness is like when you're a baby. How does a baby ask for food? Mother, <laughs> you may not be aware, but, <laughs> right? That's how a baby asks to get its needs met. Anybody had a small child look you in the eye and compel you to understand that you are their number one enemy until you give them what they want? (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? That's childhood, right? That's baby, like, give me what I want. I hate you. Oh, you gave it to me? Thank you. I love you. Um, Right? That's babyhood. Babyhood, is you're in there and you're just like, and God, they're like, we need water. And he goes, water. Oh, we love you, God. We're hungry. Give us a little We don't like manna anymore. It only tastes like honey. I really don't like honey. And in that moment, what? That, you know, it's one thing. That, anybody here? The, you know that the the worst punishment of all is receiving what you actually what you want. Man, can you imagine if you've been living on manna for weeks and weeks, and then you eat meat? Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, needless say their guts were, were torn up right they're eating like you know uh, like mush and suddenly but anyway they're going through the desert but the great thing about the desert is the desert the wilderness is an amazing place and every major person in scripture spent time in the wilderness what happens in the wilderness well just what the Israelites had non-stop presence of God like they didn't have to wonder where God was there was a column of fire. Yep, there he is. You don't know. Oh, there's the cloud. Oop. They didn't have to wonder where their next meal was coming because it was supernatural, supernatural provision. He even like cloud by day, like kept them from the heat. Like he's covering all their needs and he's caring for them. And it's amazing every time they have a problem. Oh God, boom. Anybody seen this? A new believer comes into Christ and they're like, and literally... The prayer you've been praying for 20 years, they get in like half a second. You're like, <sighs> right? There, this is the thing is in that moment, the purpose. So the, here's the problem is that if we're not careful, we will make the wilderness the destination. And the wilderness is not the destination. What could be better than nonstop food, nonstop presence, nonstop protection? What could be better? Your destiny, for one. But the other thing is God isn't going to marry a baby bride. See, he wants, he's called us to co-labor with him. He's called us to rise up into partnership with him. And that doesn't look like, Whoa! right? It doesn't. And so the whole point of, of the wilderness is to give us courage to realize he's worthy of our trust so that we will learn to partner with him supernaturally. So let me, let me say this. Egypt is a land of natural. If you know anything about the laws of thermodynamics, the rules say it all runs down. Anybody? It just right. So this is natural. There is that high security, low res- uh, you know low responsibility, low compensation. Right. The wilderness is this place of utterly supernatural. It's utterly s- supernatural. Like everything is just bang, wing bang boom 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 boom. Wow! This is awesome. I never want to leave this place. And the evidence of this, you guys remember what happened? They came right up to the gates. They looked across the the river Jordan into the land of promise, which, and guess what they did? You guys remember? They ran away from their own destiny. Why? We want to go back away. We don't want to. It's too scary. Why? They hadn't learned trust that God only brings you into a battle that you are set up to win. They hadn't learned that in the desert. They had gone through battles, but they hadn't learned that he was trustworthy. They hadn't learned that he was worthy of their trust. And see, the goal of the living in the land of promise, well, I'll I'll show you what it is. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 11. Or verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land large and with, with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of goods, things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, I read this, that verse 11, I read that for years is like, when you hit the jackpot, when you win everything, don't forget him, right? But think about this. If you know anything, if you, if you were made a mayor of a city today, would your problems quit No, they went to 11, because it's one thing to receive a city. I was listening to a great prophetic song this this morning, I Can't Wait to Be King. Um, Yeah, from uh, The Lion King. And he's like, because I'll just get to do whatever I want all day. Anybody know that's not how it works? No, once you get the city, you have to look after it. You have to promote it. There's a thousand issues to deal. Houses filled with all kinds of goods. Anybody here fantasized about a house till you got one? And now you're like, somebody's got to look after that. Where do we find that person? Right? You know, the wells you have to dig. you got to understand, the wells they had there were not like ours with the little, right? They, they were these huge pits that you had to walk down several hundred steps to fill with water and then carry that thing back up and then all the way back home. Yeah. Could we not have a well? Could we just have like running water into my house? No, wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Anybody know it takes you have to tend an olive grove and a vineyard? <sighs> See, the wilderness where everything's done for you gives you the courage to trust him when he wants to bring you into supernatural stewardship. Supernatural stewardship is this partnership where I am able to partner with God's power, his might, his wisdom, his strategies, and walk them out in the natural. This is the key element. But when we idolize this, we will never go to this. Because anybody found that this is rough? This is tough. And that's what happened. The Israelites looked and they're like, there are giants in the land. And God said, not a problem. I'm purposely not driving them out so they can keep those cities nice for you. No, they're giants, right? What, he said that, and, and, but what's happening is, is they are terrified. And God said, no, I'm going to set you up for victory. And we talked about this before, but they come in and they take one city at a time They take all the easy, cheap cities, and then all the big, rich cities in the north attack them. But what does Joshua do? He says, God, what do you say? He said, I've wrapped them all up in one place for you to take out. And in a moment, he takes out all of those cities. So all those city states, those armies. But this is what God talked about at the end. He said, verse 12, he said, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Because what happened is, there arose a generation after Joshua that had not seen the miracles of God in Egypt. And they very quickly became enslaved. Why? Because supernaturally they were brought into the land and then they tried to walk it out naturally. And the gift of God became a curse and a slavery. And if you're not careful, this is what will happen is you will go all the way to the land of promise and end up back in Egypt. The whole point of the wilderness was to teach you that God is trustworthy so that he can partner with you to raise you up to uh, walk with him in ever-increasing measures of supernatural within the natural realm. Unfortunately, because of this dynamic, I've watched this over and over again, after people go a certain time in, in the wilderness, most, most of us end up doing one of two things. We either go, the minute our prayer, we pray and it takes more than five minutes for an answer. What do we, is any of us? No? Only me? I build a new theology. Apparently God wants me to suffer. And, I, and he's going to make me better through this. In that moment, I can make a choice. I can either choose to go literally just go, this Christianity thing doesn't work. Or the other version is I can make it something I do on my own. Both are equally forms of slavery. Because God's goal is that we rise up little by little learning how to walk with him in a uh, In Him in the supernatural, us in the natural together. His ideas, his power, but we're partnering with it. And he's raising us up slowly by slowly, giving us increased ability, increased problems. Anybody found the further you go with God, the bigger the problems are? Because they're the bigger the problems you get to conquer with him. See, the promised land was actually never God's uh, final destination. Do you know that? His final destination was that all the world would be blessed. The promised land was just his staging area for taking over the entire world with his goodness and love. But the Israelites over and over again ended up slaves back in the middle of their promise. Because they failed to recognize this fundamental fact that God doesn't tell us what to do unless he's empowering us to do it. That he's walking with us and he's raising us up little bit by little bit. Even Jesus had to grow in grace and favor with God and man. A- and, and if you look at most almost most of Jesus' parables were agricultural. Anybody notice that agricultural things take time? You know, one of the, the examples, um, my daughter, I think when she was like two and a half or three, she got some flower seeds, she planted them. The next day she was digging them up to figure out what happened. How do you think those flowers did? Not so good. Because it takes time. God, as you grow in God, the, the processes actually, the cycles get longer and longer because the, the goal is bigger and bigger. If you, want an, if you want an oak tree, it's not going to come tomorrow. If you want to grow beans, they'll sprout in a week or two. But if your goal, you know, oftentimes people will come to me and they'll go, "Oh my God, I've been in this for so long." And I say, "Tell me about the size of your dreams." And They're like, "Well, blah blah blah." I'm like, "Oh, world domination? Yeah, that's probably going to take more than two weeks." <laughs> Why? The size of your dream, the size of the building, determines the amount of time spent on the foundation. God is working in you. Jesus needed. Thir- Jesus obeying god 100% of the time partnering with god 100% of the time took 30 years to grow up to his the level of his his calling but that's the thing of we're the goal is not we're when we're in a problem we just want the pain to what stop and if you don't make it go god you hate me that's babyville that's babyville God, I'm not going to change the just because the problem has changed, just because the situation has changed. I'm not going to allow it to change my course. I'm not going to allow it to change what you've said. I'm not going to allow it to rob me. I, I mean, early. I mean, we have seen so many people get healed, but do you know every single time I pray for someone and they don't get healed, I have a battle to fight. I have a huge battle. Oh, it doesn't work anymore. God's not good anymore. This is horrible. Just me? Or, I, I love it put, put this way, we never want to give up what we've paid a price to know for what we don't yet understand. I don't want to be building a theology. God has shown himself good. He's revealed his nature in the wilderness to bring me into a place where I can partner with him in the natural day in and day out, day in and day out, further up, further in. And if we learn, if we can learn to partner with him supernaturally, not not doing it all on our own. Anybody here got tired of waiting on God and just did it yourself? How did that work out for you? (laughs) <laughs> no. Um, or allowed the pain of the world to dictate the agenda of life, right? You know, or the problem you're dealing with. You know, I, I have a cold right now. Anybody here, you get a cold and you build a new theology? You know what I mean? You're like, well, um, I think God, and, and the, you know what God just, I felt like God said to me, he said, What does that have to do with anything? You follow me. You follow me. Okay, I'll follow you. But what about my nose, Lord? What about my nose? You follow me you follow me. And as I follow him, as I follow him, when I can't see him, when I can't, I follow the light that he's given. As I follow him and I'm obedient to him, guess what? I see increasing favor, increasing breakthrough, increasing opportunity. I I loved uh, Jasmine, what Jasmine shared. You know that $2,000? It was hers. Yes, it came out of nowhere, but it wasn't like she won the lottery. It was more like she found a savings account that she didn't know she had. That was seed that had been growing in the ground like an acorn for years. What if you have a thousand acorns that God wants to supernaturally reveal? Anybody here have some seasons of your life you think were wasted? In him, nothing is wasted. Nothing is lost. Everything he holds on to. But we will not gain access to those until we begin to begin to learn how to supernaturally steward the gift of God by partnering with him in the natural realm. You know, if Jasmine had said, you know what, I just can't anymore. I just can't do, I can't do school and nanny, I walk. I promise you that, that owner would not have, that, uh, and whatever, not owner, whatever, a boss would not have looked her up and found out she'd been paying her too much. Many times we quit in the process because it takes too long. But I want to say again, the size of the promise is directly related to the size of the process. And God is wanting to learn to, I I said this uh, last week, I really believe that God has no limit in a finance, but he can't trust us with the amount of finance we want. So he wants to raise us up to the level where he could trust us with a billion dollars, with a trillion dollars. And and we will steward it for his glory, but we will also not be crushed by it, but we will rise with it. That's what he wants. But any, if you know, like, I mean, who here has a three-year-old that you could release in a candy store with under their own recognizance? <laughs> it's okay. I got this. This will not end well. Right? I mean, God knows what you and I are capable to of of responding to him, the the maturity, the courage, and he's calling us higher and higher and higher, step by step by step. Why? Setting us up to win. Setting us up, but oftentimes we're like, no, it's too hard. I can't. Unless he says, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness through knowing him. Okay, God, I can, but here are my list of demands. I will be able to do it if A, B, C, D happens. If you just get rid of Pharaoh, if you just get, God says, my way, my turn, my way. And there's this flow that happens, that brings of, of this growing up in grace and favor to a larger and larger destiny. Who here has a, you feel like at some point in your life, you heard in your heart a big destiny? Yeah, because you look like your daddy. You look like your daddy. You look like your heavenly father. He's got big destiny. But oftentimes, who here got tired when it didn't happen in two days? (laughs) Who here tried to go straight from Egypt to the promised land in two easy steps. Anybody? It says this. He says, I, he would not lead them that way because they would get overwhelmed. There were enemies here. There was a shortcut. There was a shortcut, but he wouldn't lead them that way because they had enemies, and he knew they would grow discouraged. God knows what you can handle. But I would also submit to you, I watched this over and over again, um, Christians looking at get-rich-quick schemes. Anybody? Okay, come on, people. Who are my people? Get-rich-quick schemes for Jesus, because I am going to use it all for the kingdom. It's all for your glory, Lord. The first rolls is mine. After that, they're all yours. Yes, Lord. How about we trust Jesus to know what we can handle, and we worry about saying yes. Get-rich-quick schemes usually just guarantee what level you're not able to operate at. I'm only talking about my personal experience. Apparently, it affirms some of y'all's. But g- trust God to bring us, humble ourselves under his mighty hand, and in due season, what? He will lift you up. If we will learn to partner with him naturally, supernaturally, partnering with him step by step, allowing to rise up. To be perfectly honest, the land of promise seemed like a downgrade after the wilderness. Any of you, take a guess. How would the land of promise seem to downgrade to the people of Israel? No manna. Okay, <laughs> we cannot go forward, Lord, without my daily manna. You have to, I did not sign up for that. What else? They... Seriously, we don't have giants here. Why would I go where there are giants? What else? Yes, yes, yes. See, this seems like the goal, doesn't it? Everything just happens. It's not the point. See, the point is not removal of pain, removal of hardship. The point is you and I rising up into our destiny and calling to bring heaven to earth, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that was just up to God, it would have already happened. But the whole point from day one, I shared this last week, is he put Adam and Eve in the middle of what? A garden. And he said, this really messed up planet that has an enemy on it, and it, has. why don't you fill it with my glory? Why don't you expand it? Why? Because the whole point from the beginning, this garden was an incubation for a bride. This garden, this planet was made to bring forth a bride who will rise up Okay, I don't understand this. If you understand it, Merry Christmas, but we'll give it a shot. (laughs) It said that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And do you know that the fullness of God is pleased to dwell in Christ where we actually are? And then the fullness of Christ dwells in us. (laughs) (laughs) And Jesus is full part of the Trinity which means you and I are somehow in the middle of the Trinity. And we're supposed to be co-laboring with Christ. He does, but he doesn't want marionettes. He doesn't want puppets. He doesn't want slaves. He wants a bride who has been raised up to be co-labor, co, you know, equally yoked with him. Not a slave. I remember I was 17. I was so sick and tired of struggling. And I said to my mentor, I've just decided to pray that God would make me a robot. (laughs) That he would take away my will. And this guy, genius, said, God paid the highest price possible. To protect your will by giving his life on the cross. Do you know God could have saved you sovereignly if he wanted to? But he chose to save us invitationally. That our will would be preserved. And that's the thing is God doesn't. God is calling us to rise up in maturity. That's why. What is the purpose of the fivefold, my biblical people? The fivefold ministry in Ephesians, what's the purpose of the apostles, prophets? To equip the saints that we might what? You didn't know there'd be a test. <laughs> to do the work of the ministry. You didn't know you had to memorize the entire book of Ephesians. <laughs> that we might all grow up into the full maturity. Why? Because he's after a bride that he can that who, what is the, what is the level of maturity it's going to take for us to rise up and the world be blessed? <laughs> I don't know, but we haven't hit it yet. There's all like, hey, guys, 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 it's okay. I have all the answers. If you'll just make me president, we will be on right track. You need to give us all authority because we have all the answers. Sidebar, um, there's an election coming up. You might not know there's COVID, but you know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, you can't escape. The flyers are everywhere. Um, the text messages, the random calls from Bob. You know, have you considered? You know, da, 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 da. okay. What I want to say with this is, you have influence. It's called a vote. You have, you get to participate. You get to respond. How do you decide how to vote? A, don't go to Facebook. (laughs) Don't go to CNN. Don't go to Fox. Don't go, tell me, what is the will of God for my life? Don't follow the person who speaks the most fear. Don't follow the person who, (sighs) that side is the Antichrist he will keep you in perfect peace. Take a moment, get into your closet, ask God how he would have you vote. What matters to him? You're a big boy and girl, aren't you? I'm looking at all big boys and girls. Can you be trusted with a vote? Can you be trusted to respond to God? Yes. But then don't sacrifice relationships for the sake of your vote. You vote. Okay. Mm. Sorry. This is why every time the church tries to take over, it becomes a really messed up theocracy. You just have to look at when the Puritans took over England in 1611 or the Crusade. Yeah, unfortunately, we have a few options. And they all started out with good intentions. But religion dominates and controls. God empowers. God empowers. And so the whole point is that you and I rise up. I said this last week. If your heart's burning for something, maybe you're the one who's supposed to rise up and bring change. Maybe you're the one. How are you going to rise up? By saying yes, little bit by little bit by little bit. And recognize that he's not going to give you more than you can handle unless you jump off a cliff and take it for yourself. Who are my cliff jumpers? (laughs) That's not the point. So all of what I want to say is, but this is very, very important. Because for a long time, I thought the point was this. I thought the point was a world in which God delivers me from all pain. God delivers me from all problems. God delivers me instantaneously. There is no waiting. And when it didn't happen instantly, what did I think? God doesn't love me. What other things? When it didn't happen instantly, what other lies do you believe? It's happening for them. It's happening for them. Yeah. Huh? What did I do wrong? I'm not really blessed like they are. I must have did something wrong. Maybe it's not true. It's not going to happen. Is God really good? good? What? I didn't pray enough. Uh, I didn't. I didn't pray the right prayer. This is why you'll watch is people out of this will become magical and engage in Holy Spirit witchcraft. Let me say what witchcraft is. It is where I don't, I attempt to achieve a goal I attempt to get power in a situation by doing A, B, C, D rather than through relationship. And so, because I don't believe he's good, or I don't believe he loves me, or I don't believe I'm worthy, but I still need it done, just pray this prayer. Just do this. Just read this book. Just, 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 just. Ooh, yes. Take your will and surrender it to somebody else. Tell me what I must do. God doesn't want grandchildren. He only wants sons and daughters. <laughs> he doesn't want grandkids. He only wants sons and daughters. And for those to be raised up to be a bride for his son. Whew. Okay, let's just take a moment. I just feel like if you, like me, have gotten stranded in the wilderness or thinking that's the ideal, not realizing that we're called higher to co-labor with him, to bring heaven to earth, if we've grown weary of doing good, Lord, we just repent. the worship team could come. We just repent, we just repent. Lord, forgive us for all the times we were looking for the, get-rich-quick scheme, when we were looking for the, the shortcut, how to make my child be obedient in three easy steps with a taser, Lord, when, so all the times that we've looked for an easy out, when things got hard in relationships, we bounced or ran, when, we, when instead of doing the hard stuff, believing that you're empowering us to do the hard stuff, Lord, we repent. We say, Lord, when we built theologies, false theologies, we just say, forgive us, Lord. So, Lord, we want to say yes and amen. Because your promise is true. I just feel like right now, if God has spoken a promise of your life, I would just encourage each of us to speak it to ourselves. Just remind ourselves, Lord, or ask him to remind it if you can't remember. Lord, remind us of the promise Remind us of the joy set before him that we would enter into the process to learn, to co-labor with you, to supernaturally steward the grace you've given us today. If we could stand and let's go into worship with courage.